broken. Our dog, Cody, you're going to see a picture of him there on the screen. He doesn't understand the concept of broken. He loves to get a toy and he'll just chew it, even a new toy that we give him. He'll chew the squeaker right out of it. And then he'll look at me and all I can tell him is, buddy, it's broken. And he looks at me kind of with this question look and I say, I don't know how else to tell you this. It doesn't work anymore. And my dog, well, he's not very patient because in his world, everything is supposed to work all the time. Broken is a foreign concept to him. But I don't know how else to explain to him that this is not going to work the way that it has in the past. It's broken. And I do what I can to fix it or stitch it up. But broken is a foreign concept to him and his world. And there really is no such thing as putting it back together again. And I began to think, you know, in our world, brokenness is a part of life. As we grow, we begin to understand this. Not everything works all the time, exactly the way that it's supposed to. I mean, even Google was down earlier this week. Can you imagine? My son comes running out of his bedroom. Mom, Google Classroom is down and my email doesn't work. You would have thought the very world itself had ended. Brokenness is a part of our life. And it creates pain and division, conflict, and strife. The world does not work the way that it was intended to work. Cancer and COVID and other diseases have invaded our lives. People are sick. Healthcare workers are exhausted. Families are breaking apart. Mental illness, depression, and addiction are on the rise. And right now, right into the middle of all of that mess, we come together to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. And he came to restore and to heal the broken parts and places of our world. He is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And his birth, well, it has changed everything. He has come to bring healing and hope to the broken places and parts of our world and our lives too. And so I invite you to join me on a journey this morning to see really how the birth of Christ provides a new beginning for all of us in the middle of our broken world today. So would you pray with me as we get started? Gracious God, thank you for being with us right in this moment, in this day, in this time. And may we set all the other distractions of life aside for just a few moments and to focus in on your word, on why you came, and what it means, Lord, that you are our Savior, that you are our Emmanuel. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning by your Holy Spirit, and we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, the Gospel writer John begins his record of Jesus' story with three simple words that in English is translated, in the beginning. Now, where have you heard those three words like that before? It takes us back, doesn't it, all the way to the very beginning of Scripture, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so when John, the Gospel writer, sits down to write his record of Jesus' story, he doesn't go back to the Old Testament prophets like Mark does. He doesn't go back to the Jesus family lineage or history like Matthew does. 
No, when John sits down to write his record of Jesus' story, he wants to go all the way back to the very creation event itself. He wants his audience to remember for a purpose. And so John chapter one, verse one says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were created. And so John is reminding his audience, he's starting out his story of Jesus' record by saying that Jesus has existed from the beginning of time, since the creation of the world. He knows how everything is supposed to work, this beautiful world and the way that it was intended and supposed to be from the beginning. He's completely divine, fully God. And the journey from Mary's to Mary's womb brought him from heaven to earth. And so John chapter one, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now this idea that God would become flesh, well, that was an outrageous idea to the Greeks of Jesus' day. They believed that the body, the flesh, was evil and that the goal of life was to shed the body so that the spirit could be free. So why in the world would someone who is fully spirit want to take on a body? Ah, that is the beauty of the love of our God. He loves us so much that he was willing to shed his title of creator and make his dwelling among the created. And actually the Greek word means to tent, that God has pitched his tent among us to enter into the mess of our lives, into our broken and chaotic world in desperate need of his healing, as we know, especially in this season. And the God of the universe, who who was a part of creating all things, he became a single cell and he enclosed himself in the darkness of Mary's womb. And the one who could speak and bring things into being, he now could communicate only through the cries of a newborn baby. Jesus fully God, fully spirit, enclosed himself in the flesh so that he could begin to understand and show us what God is like, to be caged by our calendars and our schedules and our clocks. He became one of us. The mystery, fully God and fully man, put together to be the perfect sacrifice to reconcile sinners to God. He came to be Emmanuel, to show us that God is right here with us no matter what. And Christ's birth, it marked the beginning of this plan to restore his creation to fellowship with him. He entered into our broken, mixed-up world. He experienced all of our temptations and sorrows in order to provide the way home. Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus has pitched his tent among us, it means two very important things. And the first one is this. It's a reminder that Jesus is always with you. That Jesus is always with us no matter what, no matter what we experience, no matter what our time looks like. Have you ever noticed that Christmas, it kind of seems like a magnifier? It makes the good times really good and, and those special moments on Christmas morning and getting together, if you can, with family or through Zoom, it just makes those moments just incredibly special. But Christmas also magnifies the painful times and makes them even more painful. And so you might be 
finding that there are some empty places at your table this year because you can't get together with family like you used to do. Or maybe there's an empty place at your table because a loved one has died or through divorce or whatever those painful times are that we go through life. And Christmas magnifies those times. Sometimes it brings up old conflicts that have been around in the family. Sometimes it brings up all kinds of issues, relational tensions or anxiety about the virus, all of that stuff that comes into our world, into our hearts and lives. And it, and it just puts sort of a new emphasis around these days of celebrating Christmas. And sometimes those questions emerge. God, where are you in the middle of this mess? Why can't you just come in and fix it right now? Why do we have to experience all of this? Why do bad things happen to good people? God, do you care? Do you care about our world? Do you care about my situation? Do you care about what I'm feeling this Christmas? And that's why Jesus came. He came right in the middle of all of those questions, in the midst of all of that pain, that loneliness that sometimes threatens to engulf us. He comes when we get stuck in self-pity or bitterness or old conflicts that surface with families with unspoken expectations. He comes right in the middle of all of that stuff and right into the mess of our lives. Psalm 146, verse seven, says the Lord has come to set prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down from the burdens of life. Emmanuel, God with us, means that Jesus has come right alongside of you. And he knows your heart and he knows your situation and he knows your pain and he knows your struggles and he knows your trials and he knows your joys too. And when you really understand that the powerful God of the universe who is all-knowing, who is ever-present, who is all-powerful, that he is with you, it begins to change everything. And that moment in time allows us to experience life in a whole different way. When you feel lost or you have a huge decision on your plate and you don't know what to do, Jesus is with us as your guide. And when you're hurting and when you feel alone, Jesus is with you as your friend. And when you're in the middle of a trial, Jesus is with you as your comforter. And when you are sick, Jesus is there as your healer. And when you are weak, Jesus is there as your strength. And when you're stuck in that same old sin, Jesus is there to be your savior. Emmanuel is this powerful reminder that Jesus is with you. He has pitched his tent among you to bring hope and healing to our world. And it matters and it makes a difference. And it's a reminder of the why Jesus came to our world. Jesus came as our Emmanuel. And secondly, he also came as our savior. Jesus came to save us from the things that hold us captive. In his book, Detours, Sometimes Rough Roads Lead to Right Places, Clark Cothern tells of a Christmas when his family encountered an unexpected house guest. Somehow a squirrel 
had gotten into their chimney and crawled down and had encased itself in their wood-burning stove in their basement. They weren't using it at the time, but this squirrel was running around in this wood-burning stove. And he writes, I thought if the squirrel knew we were there to help him, that he'd let me reach in and help him escape his prison. But nothing doing. He says, when I went to reach in there, it began scratching around like a squirrel overdosed on espresso. We had to actually go and take a cardboard box and form sort of a cage with an opening on one side. And when we took that cardboard box and put it up against the wood-burning stove, finally that squirrel was able to get into that box and we were able to take it outside and let it go in the backyard. And later he writes, Isn't it funny how before its redemption, our little visitor had frantically tried to bash its way out of its dark prison. But it seemed that the harder it struggled on its own to get free, the more pain it caused itself. In the end, he simply had to wait patiently until one who was much bigger, who could peer into his world, could carry him safely to the larger world where he really belonged. And that is what we need the Savior to do for us. You see, Jesus has come to save us. To save us from the things that hold us captive, from our fears, from our sins, from keeping doing the same thing over and over again, even when it doesn't produce any kind of results. He has come to be our savior and to give us the gift of eternal life. Luke chapter two, verse 11 says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. And our, ho- our heart finds hope and our heart finds peace when we trust in the one who is bigger, the one who can peer into our world, who stepped in to repair fellowship with the Father, our creator, to provide the way home, to remind us that this world is not all there is and to remind us of that which is there to await us. It began with one act of love, one act of coming into our world to mend those things and situations that are broken and in need of repair. And every time that you and I are a part of bringing healing and hope to someone's life and world, we are a part of that recreation that Jesus came to bring. And we are a part of that miracle that Jesus came to show us. I love reading about Mother Teresa. She was a nun who felt called of the Lord to go and to serve the poorest of poor on the streets of Calcutta. And one of her most famous quotes is something that has stuck with me for a long, long time. And it's this quote that says, she said, not everyone can do great things, but everyone can do small things with great love. Not everyone can do great things, but everyone can do small things with great love. And so ordinary people like you and like me, we begin to make an extraordinary difference in the world because of the work and love of Christ. 
God didn't come into our world. Christ didn't reveal himself just to make us happy or just to save us from loneliness. He came into this world and he lived among us and he shared that story and that hope that has been shared generation after generation so that you and I could be conduits of his love to those people around us so that he could invite us to join him in repairing the things that are broken in this world, to bring the healing touch of the Savior to our hearts and to our minds. I'm so grateful for the frontline healthcare workers who have worked so tirelessly and diligently to bring healing to broken bodies in the midst of this pandemic. And for those out there who are listening to this message, We just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart from those here at Redeemer. But as I begin to think about it, you know, Jesus also wants to use people like you and me to be on the front lines of his healing work in the heart and soul of the people around us. How do we do that? It begins in the little things and the little choices that we make each and every day. And every time, perhaps, that you find yourself in a conflict with somebody, and the easier thing is to just, you know, gossip about them behind their back or to avoid that person or you want them to hurt. But instead, instead that make, you make the choice to go and talk with that person so you can seek reconciliation. And when you do that, that choice is about bringing God's healing work to this world. And every time you have the ability to take a portion of of money and decide to give it sacrificially to help somebody else, you are a part of Jesus' healing work in this world. And anytime somebody has an addiction and they want to get out of it so much that they're willing to stop hiding and to get help from a loving community, Jesus' healing work is in process. And every time you love, and every time you include someone who is lonely, And every time you encourage someone who is defeated, every time you challenge somebody who has wandered off the path, every time you serve those who are hungry, it's a sign of Jesus' healing work, making a difference in this world. And you and I get to be on the front lines of God's healing in the human heart and soul, one person at a time. Emmanuel, God is with us. He has pitched his tent among us, even in this year, even in the middle of the mess and the chaos of this time. And he reminds each one of us that he is always there, no matter what happens. In the shortest of days, in the longest of nights, no matter what, that he is always there. And he cares, and he knows your name, and he knows your story, and he knows your heart. And he has come to set us free, to restore fellowship to the Father. Where do you need that peace today? To simply be reminded that Jesus is with you. And how can you be a part of Christ's repair work in this world? Because that's what he's called us to do and to be. 
And sometimes it's as simple as letting somebody go in line in front of you or giving up your parking space. Or sometimes it's a harder work of reconciling a relationship or an old family conflict or whatever it is. Christ uses you and me to accomplish and continue his work in this world. When Jesus entered humanity, when that little baby was laid in the manger, the healing work of God began in this world. And he formed a little community. And when he left, it was established there in Jerusalem. And then it started to spread to Judea, to Samaria, to Athens, to Rome, to every country, from the ancient cathedrals of England, to underground churches in persecuted lands, to storefront churches in the inner city. And it continued from one generation to the next. And then perhaps a little seedling began to form in your heart and your life. And it grows and it begins to live and Christ's work begins to work through you. And it doesn't matter if your life seems messy to you right now. It doesn't matter if you fully understand all of the healing work of Jesus. He uses you and me to be the light, to continue the recreation of the world, to be God in the flesh to others. That's why he came, to be our Emmanuel, to be our Savior. And that's the real work and miracle of Christmas, that he came and he continues that work through you and through me each and every day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we begin this Christmas week, and perhaps it still feels like there's a lot to do, and gifts to wrap, and packages to see if they'll get through the mail on time. Lord, just a lot of things on our hearts and minds, but perhaps an emptiness that feels different this year too. And thank you for the simple reminder this morning, Lord, that in the midst of all of that stuff together, that you are still there. And you are the one who brings peace. And you are the one who brings hope. And you are the one who brings joy. And none of those change no matter what's going on in our world. So Lord, I just pray that peace among each person that is listening to this message today that we might be forgotten, or excuse me, that we might be reminded that none of us are forgotten. And that we might know and count on you as our Emmanuel always. Thanks, Lord. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to respond with a song. Tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go 
tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching or silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there showed a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain 